0: Welcome home. You're listening to 180 Church Podcast. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU.
1: Uh, So with a raise of hands, how many of you guys like going to the grocery store? I hate going to the grocery store. (laughs) If you know me, um, I try to get other people to go to the grocery store for me Um, but if I do, uh, I hate it only because uh, for me I have a tendency to be in a rush and I hate waiting online. So for example, if I do have to go, whether it's Trader Joe's and I try to avoid the 14th Street one like the plague, because if you guys know you live in the city that line could actually end up outside the store, Um, you go to Whole Foods or any kind of other store, I'm the guy that when you just finish uh, uh, your shopping or your groceries, um, I try to make sure that I'm on the fastest and shortest line. right? So I'm the guy when we just finish uh, uh, shopping or doing a grocery store, I, I'm, I'm the one that counts. Like I look around to my left and right and I'm counting which line and how many lines there are. I'm not the only one that does this, right? I'm sure all of you guys, I mean not all, but many of you guys do. You, you look and count and to make sure which one is the shortest. And for me, um, because I'm so impatient or I'm such in a rush, I actually constantly look around me. And so if there's someone that comes after me that goes uh, like in a different line and get to the cashier before me, I get really annoyed. I get really, really frustrated. And it gets even worse when um, I'm on the line and and the people in front of me stall the line. I'm sure that has happened to all of us where I don't know what happens. I don't know what the story, but when that happens, for those brief couple of seconds, Jesus actually leaves my life for a little bit. (laughs) And there are things that run through my mind that a pastor should not think of. You know, I I share this story because I think um, it shows a good picture of many of us when we're in a life of hurry. A lot of us are impatient. A lot of us are in a rush. Um, a lot of us are dismissive of other people. And the reality is for us, all of us who are living in New York, um, that's something that we are conditioned to actually live in um, and actually have to deal in combat every day. For those who are new here, college students that are here for the first time, or for some of you guys that have just transferred here from a new job or whatever it is, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you will in a couple of months. You will slowly and surely become one of us, and anything that is slow here, you will get annoyed. But the reality is that in our culture today, uh, it, it actually conditions us to uh, live a herd life. Um, in fact, in New York City itself, um, it, we celebrate hurry. right? For example, like, we are the, probably the only city that encourages jaywalking. You don't do that in other place, in any other place. If you jaywalk, you get hit by a car. And it's your fault, not the car's fault. It's different here, but in New York City, you walk along Soho or any other place, um, we promote jaywalking. When there's something that's, when the streets are empty, you're supposed to cross it, even though it's illegal. And if you don't, and you're standing still, us New Yorkers will look at you. And we won't say anything, but we will have a snide remark in our mind. Like, what's wrong with you? They must not be from around here. They must be tourists. right?" But it's true, and so implicitly, um, whether we know it or not, there is a message that goes through in each and every our, one of our lives where it says, the faster you go, the more productive and um, more successful you will be. Right? And in contrast, the slower you are, right, uh, the less productive and the lazier you are. Right? And you see that going in our, in our culture where in the mornings, we're always on a rush. Right? We're rushing to get our coffee. We're upset when a barista gets our coffee wrong. or are not um, getting it fast enough. That happened to me this morning. I stopped by Starbucks. And this guy next to me was like, uh, it's been two minutes. Where's my coffee? Right? We're in a rush. right? Or for some of you ladies that uh, wear makeup, like you see them uh, putting makeup on the train. Right? You guys are, some of you guys are experts at that. Um, and even some of us uh, where we are such in a rush that we don't even eat our lunch properly. You know, they did a study where they said that 62% of us uh, don't stop to eat and have our lunch break, even though it's our human right to. But for many of us, we eat while we work, right? Because uh, we feel like we need to get more stuff done, and we can't stop to just take a break to actually nourish ourselves. Or part part of us is that if we do eat, we will feel like there will be judgment on our coworkers to think that we're actually lazy. Right, and so we don't eat. Most of us don't eat our lunch properly and just sit down. So there is a culture that's going around us in the city that is encouraging us in this herd life. And this doesn't just happen outside uh, of these walls. It happens inside here. Like I see it every week after we finish service. Many of us here, right after service, we're going to try to figure out what we're going to eat. Right, and we're going to be rushed to where we're going to eat, and we're going to make sure where to go there. And there's a contrast between these. Uh, there's two kinds of people, and I won't name who, but there is a couple of people in our church that like to walk slow and eat slow and decide, to, and decide things very slowly. And you see the clear contrast, and it happens every week. There's an annoyance with these two groups. They're like, hurry up, let's go, let's go. And there's, there's another group of people that just stroll along and walk along, and they're like, oh, my gosh. When are these people going to get it? Hurry up, hurry up, let's go, let's go and eat. And I'm one of those people. I'm like, oh, my gosh, hurry up, let's go, let's, let's eat. So uh, it doesn't. It happens everywhere, outside and in. And it's funny, but it's true. And the problem is, is that when we live a life of hurry, the, pro- the, the biggest problem is, is that we miss out on the most important things that are in front of us in the present, right? Like for example, uh, just this past week, uh, a couple of us celebrated Dr. Lee's uh, him promo- being promoted to an attending, right? That takes like what five seven years? I don't know. I I, I lost count. He just feels like he's just perpetually studying, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. and it it was really crazy because, uh, like we're in a, like we're in an age right now where like we have so many competing commitments. There's so many things going on. He he has a wife, two point five kids. Man, it's crazy. Like, and he barely has any time. And he and we were trying to celebrate for the past like three four months, but no one like our schedules for like five, six of us could never match. And we're trying to figure that out. And that one time where he's actually free, and many of us are free, what happened to be on like a Thursday night, um, and it's so rare because you know, he's away from his wife and kids, and, and a lot of them were away from like their significant others and all that, he invites me to that dinner to celebrate. Right? And everyone is there, and we're celebrating. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst week. I have college students are coming in. We have all these activities. There's everything that's going on. There's so many things that are going on. I have a small group that I have to attend to. I tell, doc, I tell Dr. Lee, I was like, Lee, who is one of my closest friends, I was like, dude, I don't know if I could fully celebrate with you. I maybe just have one hour. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, and, and it's crazy because you have all these comp- competing commitments. And I was so full of myself and full of my activity. I lost sight of what's actually really important that's around my life. And I share this is because I think the greatest danger about hurry and about being in the hurried life is that hurry kills love. Tell someone next to you, hurry kills love. You know, uh, that's what a famous pastor once said. He said that hurry, um, hurry kills love because when you're always going somewhere, you, it's impossible for you to not only receive love, but to give love, right? When you're constantly in a hurry, you, you can't stop to really appreciate the people around you or receive the love that's uh, in front of you or give the love that's in front of you, right? And, and, that's, what's actu- and, and, and that's what the struggle about hurry is. And so that's what I actually want to talk about today. I want to talk about um, how hurry um, act, how to slow down and min- diminish and minimize hurry, so we can be people that actually could love well. Because if you look at uh, scripture, and you look at Christianity as a whole, and uh, what Jesus says, he says, what's the greatest two commandments, right? It's to love God and to love others, right? That's the fundamental core of Christianity and its faith. And, you, and it's impossible if to be people of love if we're constantly in a rush, right? So that's what I want to talk about, what we're going to address, and what we're going to identify. And this is something that uh, we're uh, actually spilling over from the retreat uh, that we had last week. And if you, there, if you weren't there, please join us next year. Mark it on your calendars, 2020. Every Labor Day weekend, we are going to have a retreat. So mark it now so you could join us. And in that retreat, uh, Dr. Seyman was talking about how to eliminate and diminish hurry in our lives to create sacred time, sacred places, uh, sacred people. And I wanted to continue that conversation and talk about a sacred mission. Because when you're in a space where you, are, you hear the voice of God and you recognize the voice of God um, and you hear the whispers of, whispers of God and, and how that works in, in your life and how you are loved by God, it doesn't stop. Often when you're filled by that and you're, when you're consumed by that and you're, and you're immersed in that, the natural application of that is to express that outwardly for those that actually need it. And so that's why I call it the sacred mission. right? And so um, we're going to go into that, into John 4, um, to talk about what the sacred mission is about, how to be people that love well and become a community that does that well. So let's go into it. So John 4, verse 3 says this. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So here in this passage, Jesus we um, see the ministry in Judea. Um, and he decided to go back to Galilee. Why did he go back to Galilee? Because as he's doing ministry and um, there were powerful things that were happening, the, his enemies, the Pharisees, were picking it up. Uh, picking up uh, that Jesus was having all this attention and popularity and because of the jealousy and the envy and even possible persecution and opposition that the Pharisees uh, were pouring on Jesus he decided to step back avoid it and move to Galilee and that's what we see here and one thing you have to understand geographically and you post this uh, let's post this up is that in order to go to Judea and Galilee Judea is in the bottom I'm being a little historical here I'm literally being a little nerdy. Uh, Judea here and Galilee is up there. And what normally what people do back in the first century is that any um, like respectable Jewish person would go to Judea and actually wrap around and go to Galilee. They would avoid this place called Samaria, which is smack right in the middle. And why would they? avoid Samaritans smack in the middle because we read in the passage earlier that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. Uh, to boil it down and to really simplify it is that the Jews thought that the Samaritans were actually dumb and inferior, whereas the Samaritans thought that the Jewish people were actually snobby and self-righteous. You know you kind of see the parallels that's going on in our in our political sphere today about the two political parties. It's kind of very similar to that. But that's actually how what the tension was, it, the the racism between those two was very polarizing, um, and very uh, tense and very uh, overwhelming. That they did not want to associate with one another. So any respectable Jewish person, and typically, if uh, Jesus and the disciples from Judea wanted to go to Galilee, he would wrap around and go around this route, which takes two to three days longer. But if we look. Go to verse four. You see, there you go on, that Jesus said that he had to go through Samaria, right? And now I know some logical people. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. If you had to go through Samaria, because it's actually faster. You know, if you're on an agenda and you have to go where you need to go, it doesn't matter what territory that you go to. You go to your fastest route, right? It makes sense. It doesn't matter if you don't like the people. Just move forward. Just press forward. Get to where you need to be." But there's actually more to the story uh, than meets the eye. It's not just about distance that he's trying to cut through. There's something actually more significant thing that's actually happening. And so verse 5, it says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sichar, near a plant and near a plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Sorry, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Yeah. So if you look at this, you see that Jesus didn't go through Samaria just because um, he needed to cut through the distance. Jesus was going through Samaria. If he was going to, Jesus went through it for a specific purpose. Jesus went through Samaria and actually stopped, which a lot of us New Yorkers don't do. Stopped in the middle of midday in, middle e- in the Middle East. You don't stop in the middle of the Middle East in the afternoon. You know what that's like? That's like that time in July when we had a heat wave, when the mayor kind of like uh, canceled the triathlon, like with that 100-degree weather. It's like that, but like five times worse because we're in the Middle East here. But here Jesus went out of his, went out of his way, cut through Samaria, not because he, wanted, he had an agenda to go to, but he was actually interrupted, stopped, because there was something that he needed to do there that was very important. And what was the important thing that he needed to do? He had to stop by this well to meet this Samaritan woman who is in need of God, who is in need of love, and in need to hear and experience the love of God. And what we hear and what we know from the passage later on that we talked about, we find out that this woman was a woman that had five husbands, right? And the sixth one was not her husband, but she was sleeping with. Right? It was almost of a downgrade in a way, especially in the first century, right? um, who was outcasted, alone, shamed, and probably a person that no one, ever had, had, no one has probably talked to for many months or even possibly years, where Jesus comes around, stops what he's doing to go to Galilee, to go to this place to meet this woman because he cared. You know, it's actually very contrast If you look at the disciples, because what it says in verse 8, this is disciples had gone to the town to buy food, right? So while Jesus was spending time to listen to the story of the Samaritan woman, the disciples were thinking, what what do I need to eat next? Like many of us, right? Uh, Like right after service, what are we going to eat next, right? And you see in verse 27, it says, when the disciples returned, they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? And you see the disciples seeing there's so much, uh, there's so much assumptions and bias and prejudice that's going on with the Samaritan woman. Either they don't even know that of the story about what's going on in her life, but totally dismisses her. Just because simply, she's a Samaritan and she's a woman. Right? All because the disciples were actually in a hurry. You know, This actually happened to me just a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you follow my IG story, you probably know what I'm talking about. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually at an all-campus praise night in NYU, and um, mind you, at NYU, I am actually a chaplain there, and not not saying that to glorify myself, but just to, to tell you how bad it was what I was gonna what I'm gonna do, um, and so I had the role as an usher, and as the role as an usher, um, you know, you get all uh, NYU praise night is the time where all the freshmen come in. You know, they're so excited. They're so happy. They're like, whoa, this is New York. Whoa, this is awesome, right? And they're all excited, and they're coming in. And uh, we, we created a space where uh, for them to worship together and to glorify God together and to get uh, for them to get actually plugged into a church or a fellowship and all that stuff. And as I was an usher bringing people in, there was a group of people that came in that were very different from the rest. You know, they came in with a bunch of, they were all in suits. There was five, six of them in suits, right? And they rolled in like, like, like they were like they owned the place, and and they stunk like cologne, like overcompensating cologne, and they were the most broliest people that I ever met in my life, and I know that they were bros because I'm from Staten Island. I could see a bro when I know uh, when I see one. All right, and they were really they were real bro. Like it's to a point where every time they introduced uh, where we interacted, they ended with bro. They're like, hey, what's your name? I was like, oh, my name is Billy. I'm a chopper for one 180- eighty. Uh, fellowship, oh, you know, I'm a chaplain in NYU. You go, oh, that's so cool, bro. And I was like, oh, and they gave me a pound. They were like fist pumping, all that kind of stuff. And even, no, it, it was really ridiculous. I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating. One guy was like, where is the bathroom? And I was like, the bathroom is around the hall. And it's like, I appreciate you so much. Thank you, bro. It was literally like that. And I was like, Harris was with me. Harris was judging. The- I was just judging them the way I was judging them. He just didn't say anything, <laughs> you know. And I had the audacity, right? Because I was so sure that they did not belong here. They were probably, probably mistake this event to, for a stern event. And I literally, said, I literally said, I was like, guys, do you understand where you are? This is a Christian worship event. And they're like, yeah, 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 we know, we know, we know. Yeah, yeah we're in the right place. I was like, are you sure this is a Christian? worship <laughs> event they're like yeah 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 we were heard from from like and then I heard murmuring I'm like oh no this is gonna be bad they're gonna create some ruckus uh, this is gonna be your problem they go in worship starts right I go in 10 to 15 minutes later and then I go in I'm also worried like what what, what are these guys going to do and lo and behold when I go in and I'm sitting in the back I am utterly shocked. Not in a bad way, but in a good way, because out of all people that were worshiping in this service, these guys, that five or six people in the suits, were the most expressive people in that place. They were lifting their hands. They were dancing. They were like grooving with one another. They were fist pumping with one another, too. <laughs> they didn't, that, that mannerism didn't hide in the worship. And they're like, bro, I love this song. When I study, uh, I put this song on. And I'm like, oh my god. And, and, and when I saw that, I heard a whisper. And it's definitely from God. And, he, and, and I heard a god whisper from him. He's like, Billy, I love the bros too. <laughs> and to be honest with you, the truth is when I heard that, like, I had to repent. And you know what the kicker about this whole thing is? Is that when I found that afterwards, those five or six people came together, and they actually brought a friend or two that didn't know God, and they brought him in because they wanted, him, wanted them to actually uh, know and hear about the good news of the no. <laughs> gospel. I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? I was convicted. And see, that's the thing, what happens um, when you're in a life of hurry. Our biases, our presuppositions, our prejudice, our racism comes out right, and limits the extent of grace of what could actually happen in people's lives. The truth is in the message of the gospel and the good news of the gospel and what we see here in in Christ himself is that God cares about every single person and and every single story. And the challenge that's laid before us here in the life of hurry, especially for us that who are believers and even those who are investigating here is to to challenge ourselves to actually slow down and to see people for who they are because that's how God sees them especially in a world today where polarization and our political um, like with our political affiliations where it's so tense and our nationalism is so high there's no one there's no one people, no one anymore is listening to one another there's just quick judgments assertions and assumptions and it's just getting bad it's even in the universities universities are even worse because they're even saying like oh yeah we care about like um, free thinking and, and open to other people's worldview, but if you, talk, if you listen to Jonathan Hyatt and all these people that are talking about pluralism, they're like, yeah, that's not happening at all. And so if that's not really happening in our universities and even, um, the, even in the places where we're supposed to respect, where it's respectable to um, have free thinking and, and collective and diverse thinking, and it's not happening there, we as a church are really called and challenged, especially in this passage, to rise above that and to actually see people for who they are. And so that challenges a lot of us, because I know we have a tendency to affiliate more with our political affiliations, even our personal, uh, personal race above um, our, our, our spirituality and an anchor root and identity in Christ. We have a tendency of that. You know, we were like, oh, I'm Korean. I'm Chinese. And you know, Chinese is multiple ways, depending on where you're from. Taiwanese, Chinese, mainland, oh, you know, there's all that stuff, or any part of the world. And we, we identify with more than that than about, uh, about being a brother and sister in Christ. When you look at this passage, when Jesus comes in, he doesn't see a Samaritan woman. He sees a lost daughter in Christ. And for us, and the calling of the church, is to really rise above those things and to see beyond the biases and to be honest and challenge ourselves to actually see that there is actually more going on in the picture, and to embody and to see through the lens of God and the lens of the kingdom than anything else. So why do we need to slow down and eliminate hurry to live out the secret mission? This is the first point. Because we're called to value secret stories. And hurry kills love. So my question to you today is, where do you see where the life of hurry, not just busy the life of hurryness is damaging and hurting the people around you Where do you see where it's actually bleeding in and um, clouding your prejudice, your racism, you know your biases and stopping to see what, what where people are at and what, what they're going through and what God might actually want to be doing in their lives because the Samaritan woman was the last person anyone would expect to actually change their whole town. She was the outcast. And you see that through the power and the transformation of God's love, she was the actual catalyst to bring, their, to bring her own town to actually meet Jesus in. That's the power of God's grace and love. And so for some of you guys that might be away from God, figuring out God, I don't know, we're distant from God, I, I just want to repeat this. And I, won't, I know I say this a lot when I'm up here, but you are not too far from God. God's grace extends to uh, so wide and so deep and can meet you anywhere. And that's the good news of the gospel, right? So that's the first point, value, um, value sacred stories. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the second point. Verse 8 says this, his disciples have gone into town to buy food. You know, just then his, the, the disciples returned and were surprised to find him ca- talking with a woman. But no one asks what do you want or why you're talking with her, right? So we said this before, they're so focused and preoccupied to what they want to eat. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out to the town and made their way towards him. So you see that happening with the woman. Then, this is what Jesus says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, bye bye, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Right? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so what do you see here? You see the disciples once again so preoccupied and what to eat and when to eat and the next time we're going to eat, right? But you see Jesus telling the disciples about, uh, a food that's not physical, but spiritual. A food that actually nourishes him and gives him life because he interacted and engaged in somebody um, who needed the love of God and uh, the power of God and that was expressed in his life. Right? And, and he saw that through what you can, what we would we call a fast because he didn't eat a meal. Right? And so what is a fast, really? Right? You know, and, um, fast, fasting is trending now right, in our culture. Right, because fasting is more about diet. You know, there's the keto fast, there's the paleo fast, there's like the intermittent fasting diet. There's all the different kinds of fasting and diet you could think of. There's a smoothie fast. You know, like there's all different kinds of fasts. I remember living with Daniel one time. Daniel was in a paleo fast, and he was he shrunk, like crazy. And you know, that's what we you know that's what we associate fasting with, right? Like a diet, right? Because we want to lose weight, we want our skin to be nice and clean. Right? I, apparently that's a benefit of it and of course it is, but in, in our culture today fasting is more about losing weight and looking good. But if you look in the biblical frame of fasting, fasting is not about any of those things. You know. And you see that discipline of fasting happening even in Old Testament time and even in the New Testament into now, where in the biblical frame of fasting we fa- people fast not to look good or to lose weight, but actually, it's a, it, it's a discipline where we remove distractions in our lives um, and in the hurriedness to actually try to hear and understand what God is saying. So people often go through this discipline because we understand the competing commitments. We understand that there's so many voices and things that are cluttering in our lives and our world. And in a way, it's a, not really like Marie Kondo, but kind of is where you know you, you remove the clutter to hopefully make a secret space to see what God is saying to us. And so I noticed that this week because there was so much activity like I shared before and I felt like I was always in a hurry. And I was constantly running around back and forth and and the one thing I I started noticing is that I kept looking at my phone and I was like, okay, what time is it now? What time is it now? What time is it now? Right? Uh, There's a group of friends, a group of people. I'm sure you could relate to me when you do this. We're all eating together, but not really talking to another because we're texting something with someone else. Other than that, we're taking pictures, I don't know, one or the other.? Right? And that's what it is. So I decided to fast my phone while we eat. And man, that's difficult. But I wanted to do that because as uh, we were going through uh, a bunch of activity, you know, trying to connect to uh, returning and uh, new college students in NYU. I wanted to know their names because there was like 20 of them. But it was impossible for me to know them when I was constantly on my phone. And it was really, it was really interesting to see. And it was actually a powerful experience. Because when I laid my phone down, I really got to know their stories. And I really got to know their names. And there's a lot of names, a lot of different names. But it, it, was, really, it was really beautiful to see. So we went to Spot, ate some desserts with them. We had a barbecue yesterday. Um, and it was beautiful out um, in Brooklyn, and I really got to know their stories more. And you know what I didn't realize, and it was just amazing to see, is that many of the people that came in and came to visit were people around the world. And I was like, wow, this is so weird. I'm, a, I'm just like a Korean kid from New York City. You know, I, I never really went outside of it, you know. and I, I didn't expect um, in, in my college and being in college and doing college ministry, you know, I would just wanted to just care about people that just didn't know about God. I would, I never really sat down and thought that the people that were coming in were people that were coming around the world. And then I actually thought, thought a little bit even, um, a little deeper and I actually looked at all the returning students that actually uh, like actually come to our our fellowship and I was like oh my gosh half of them are literally from like all, all places in the world like there are people from singapore there are people from indonesia there are people from malaysia i was like how did i not realize this you know because i was so consumed and so focused on one thing and you know it's pretty crazy i'm like what is going on here god i was like what is actually happening like why do these people actually care do these people actually care what makes them in, intrigued or what's going um about this place um where Maybe they want to hear the gospel, or maybe want to hear the good news. And I and I, I remember some of the stories that I had just previously. There was uh, one girl uh, right before the spring semester. She told me, "He's like Pastor Billy. We were having, we were having, uh, we were eating, and we were we were having a meal. And he's like Pastor Billy. He's like, you know, I just want to tell you, like, I would never, I would never imagine that I would actually be here. I was like, oh really? Why? What happened? And he goes, yeah. When I went to college, and I, uh, as I was going to NYU, um, I'm I pretty much. Like, discounted Christianity or going to church at all. And I was like, What made you come? Well, my friend kind of forced me to come. And I was like, Okay, that's interesting. And he's like, Yeah, I went to church and I, I just, and I decided to go just for her. Just gonna do that and leave. But to be honest with you, that's that first moment when I came in really changed my life. I was like, Why? Because um, I sometimes hear worship songs uh, uh, before in the past. But the first time I came here, there's this one worship song that I was familiar with. And I would hear that often, but that would never have affected me before. But that one moment that I came in, I just had tears in my eyes, and I was crying. And I was like, why are these, why are these tears coming in? I don't understand. And then this was the time when we were talking about hearing God's voice. And I like, Pastor Billy, does that mean that God is trying to speak to me? Because I never heard God's voice before. And I said, maybe that's what it is. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I mean, that's your journey and that's what your exploration is. But maybe that's, maybe that's how God speaks to you. You know, and then I have other, and there's other stories. You know, we heard, you know, we heard about Selly before. You know, we did a baptism video. You know, a girl from Indonesia that would never have come to our church and did, did, did not plan to go to spot, uh, spot desserts, uh, was trying, actually planning to go to uh, a Yankee game in her freshman year, and just stumbled upon 180. And when we heard the story before that she was someone that was actually praying for a home, you know, praying for a place where she could call family, uh, where she could actually find someone, something that's safe. And you see the design and the work in her life from somewhere all the way around the world in Indonesia, coming here, finding a place where, uh, people, where she could find a place where people call her brothers and sisters in Christ, her spiritual home. And I was like, oh. Maybe that's why when we go up here and when it says welcome home, that's why it makes sense, you know. And, and I was really thinking through these things, and I was like, wow, what is actually going on here? There's more to it than that meets the eye, and so that's when uh, when you look at verse thirty-five, when it's uh, verse where he tells the disciples to open his eyes, and to see the fields, because it is uh, there there's a harvest that is ripening, and I think that's actually what's going on, you know. There is. Something that's really powerful that's going on in this place that is happening where not only are, not, it's not just the fact that we are reaching people here locally, just as New York, people in New York City, but we are actually connecting people, with people that are all across the world that are coming into this place and being dispersed out. And when I when I went when I researched this thing, they actually it was really interesting because actually thirty percent of actually NYU is actually international students, and I was like, oh, now that's starting to make sense. And I remember hearing one guy, and his name is Dr. Malik. Uh, can you post that up? Dr. Charles Malik. And if you guys don't know who he is, uh, he is the former president of the United Nations. Um, he was one of the guys that adopted. Uh, the United uh, humanitarian uh, policy um, in 1948. I might have gotten that date wrong, and I feel bad, but please fact check me. But he was the one that uh, he was the one that um, adopted and legislated of you know the the refugees and the immigrants and the foreigners if they're um, of, of, of of all the nations that all the nations. That need assignment to actually welcome them. I mean, he is the one that created that, and he's a Christian. And he said this: He said, "If you want if you change the university, you can change the world." And he said that is in 1948, 1949, right? And when I heard that, I knew that to be true because what we're seeing right now, more than any, any, uh, more than any before, is such a globalized and diverse place where within the universities that's going in now that where we're reaching in NYU and Columbia or whatever school that you're in, right? we are actually reaching the nations. And you know what, when I saw that, that really excited me. Because I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just doing my own thing. But God was doing something much bigger than I could ever imagine. And the reason why I say this is because when we live a hurried life and we actually, and when you stop living a hurried life and we slow down, we could actually see the opportunities that are in front of us. You know, when we fast, whatever, that we're, we're, what we're, what we're going on in, in the craziness of our lives, we could actually tune in to see the mission of God of what he actually wants to do through us. And what I'm inviting you to in is to recognize that, is to see that, and to see the power of God working through us because that's what he wants to do. He wants us to open our eyes to see the fields because there is a harvest that's coming there are people that are looking for God that don't even realize that they're looking for God. And he wants to use you and me to be part of that. So what is the next point? The point is this. It's to create sacred opportunities. When we slow down, when we eliminate hurry, and to live in the sacred mission, what we begin to see is sacred opportunities. So if you're interested. And joining 180 Fellowship and joining with these college students, I'm welcome to talk to me after service. We would love to have you. But it's not just about um, just college students, college students, or just its ministry, but it's also in your own field, right? It's the people that you walk in to work day in and day night. It's students. It's the it's your friends that you see around you, and to look and to tune in to the opportunities and to be invited into that. So. Will you rise with me? And let's pray. So Father, we just wanna come to you right now and I wanna thank you for this opportunity where uh, we could make the space to hear you, to know, uh, know you, and to hear what you want to say for each and every one of us.
0: Good afternoon. How are you guys doing today? For those who are new, Coming back from school, thank you. I'm Dr. Sammy, uh, and this is my wife, Pastor Lydia. Most people call me Doc. Most people call her P. Lid. We're, we're so glad you came out today. Uh, a Nobel Prize winner in music. One of the most famous, prolific artists of our time, Bob Dylan, said this about New York. New York is the only place where you can freeze to death on a busy street and no one would even notice. NYU is the most coveted university. Not the highest ranking, we know, but... <laughs> it is the most coveted university in the world. They, they're they building an international reputation. And those of you from Columbia, uh, you come to New York and... Everybody in your family love you, and they're like, they're going to NYU, and they're going to Columbia, and you're excited. And, and of course, other schools in New York are, are good too, you know, <laughs> and, um, or medical residencies as well. Um, but you're now in, in that elation you feel when you get into to your choice school and you come to the greatest city in the world. You feel that, and, but then you start and now there are 50,000 people, and 22 million people in the tri-state, in the metro area, and just feel like a number, right? I mean, and the thing is, this place is so, as Pastor Billy, we we call him Peebs, and with endearment, that's short for Peebs, and you feel like a number, and the hectic pace compounds the loneliness, and so one of the things that we want to tell you, uh, especially people thousands of miles away from home, is we hope we can welcome you, show you hospitality, and just we want to be here on your journey while you're here in New York, or maybe you'll stay, but we welcome you, and we want to be your home away from home, and just know that this is a place, it's a safe place and sacred space for you to be away from home. So we wanna just let you know we understand that that's a big struggle when you come to a big city like this. And you know, I really like the idea of a sacred mission and sacred people. You know, you can feel like a number, but to God, we're one out of a million. So today, as we pray, will you pray with me? Let's pray for each other today before we close. I pray that you would remind yourself, and we're gonna sing to someone. Would you lift your hands with me to receive from the Lord? I want you to receive, and I wanna just remind you that you matter to God. You matter to God If you're someone that's investigating and journeying your faith, you're not a Christian yet, you're a seeker, your doubts matter to God. They matter to us too, to our community. Agnosticism is fine. Faith without real doubt is not real faith. God is not opposed to doubt. We believe it's part of the process. We bless your doubt and your journey. For those of you who are believers, you who will f- feel alone in this place, we want to remind you that you matter to God and to us and we care about your story. And it matters to God. This is my hope as we close today. New York is a microcosm of everything good and bad in all of us. Woody Allen once says that New York is just like any other place, just more so. We just have more of everything. We have more pigeons than the UK. We have more people. We have more crazy people. Well, I, some psychologists said I shouldn't say that, but they are on the street. And there's more sin. Or you wouldn't be here in New York, right? I mean, and the two, two things you'll find out is that you're more flawed than you ever dare imagined. And more broken. You, you might think of a healthy view of yourself, but stay in New York for a bit. <laughs> You're more flawed than you can ever imagine. More sinful than you ever can imagine. And what I hope is in the midst of that journey, you experience that you are more loved than you ever dare dreamed by God, the Father. And I pray that you experience both. The the agony of seeing oneself in the mirror, confronted with the worst part of ourselves, and then being confronted with the love on the cross and being changed. Amen? Let's pray together. Will you bow our heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore all god's people say god bless you go in peace
2: everyone we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today we want to invite you to join us for our sunday service we meet at the amc lowe's theater at 19th and broadway in manhattan at 12 noon and we'd love to see you guys there we also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at five three nine seven prayer and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.